Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. In India, Prayer is a major force in the Christian church and in the individual's lives. One of the reasons it's a major force is that every single day in India, no matter where you're at as a Christian, it could be your last day on earth because you always face death. There isn't one of us here, unless you've been in the foreign field and lived there, that understands what I even just said to you. Not one of us. Not one person in this room. Christ followers in America have been protected in many ways from the reality of what their brothers and sisters around the world have to deal with. As a result, many of them have become complacent, trusting in their prosperity rather than in Jesus. This, as Pastor Mark will teach today, has resulted in a plague of prayerlessness. To try to remedy this problem, Pastor Mark will be teaching on prayer. You'll learn what it is, why you need to cultivate this habit in your life, and the benefits that result from the routine of prayer. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 as he begins his message, Real Conversations with God, The Basics. Lord, let us hear your lessons Begin this series on conversations with God. Sharon, my secretary, asked me how many weeks we're going to go, and I have no idea. But we're going to have a good time together. What I'm going to try to do is do the basics, and then we're just going to study a lot of different prayers through the Bible and just make it very practical for you and I as we move through it. We'll be starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The headlines of... USA Today was this article, the jihad may be fueling attacks and Iraq bombings killed 28 and the mix is changing. And we see all of that and kind of stuff we hear every single day. And those of us that didn't know where Iraq was and Israel and Syria and Saudi Arabia and Iran and Kuwait and so forth, we kind of now know where that's at. Over and over again, we have new suicide bombers and it looks now like Really, the attacks are from people that are coming into the country that are really religious fanatics and many, many foreign fighters that are moving in. When we look at that, other than obviously we have this sense that we are involved in the war because we have our sons and daughters over there and we're well aware of that. And yet sometimes when you look at that in our mentality, it's the war is over there. What are you going to do for July 4th? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. And the the war is over there. We know what's going on, but the war is over there. Well, that's really the mentality that most of us have when we come to talk about spiritual warfare. 
Some of you may be new Christians and you spiritual warfare. What are you talking about? We'll talk about that as we go through. But those of us that are Christians, we know there's such a thing as spiritual warfare. We know there's a real Satan. And yet, the war is kind of over there. It's somebody else is going through this. Not in my family and don't have it in my church. And it's not at work and certainly not in my life. There's no spiritual warfare going on. And it's kind of over there. And because of that mentality, the greatest weapon that we have, the energy that we fight in, is prayer. And that's why often we're defeated. We don't accomplish what God wants in our lives, any of us. The churches fail because, by and large, here in the United States, the war is somewhere else when it comes to prayer. And so this series will help us a lot as we move through Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In fact, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against, here's the key, the knowledge of God. So now we already sense what that war is. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. First thing you can write, you know it, but it's good for us to remind it as we begin this series. There's a spiritual war that is taking place all around us. In fact, if you want to just add to that, you can say, even inside of us. Because there isn't a person here where there's not spiritual warfare in your life and mine. Now, we're not weird. We don't go off and, you know, we don't look for Satan and strongholds behind every corner and all those kind of things. But there is a real war, and we'll talk about how we accomplish that victory. So there are two kingdoms at war. There always have been since day one, since Satan decided to set up his kingdom. And it's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. You see, when you and I became a Christian, we entered the kingdom of God, and God then is to rule our life. When that doesn't happen, self rules it. When self rules it, we're kind of playing around in the dangerous area of Satan actually ruling our life. So Satan, the minute we became a Christian began opposing us before we were on his team. And what that means, if you're a Christian, you are waging war against the forces of hell. By myself and Satan, I'll always lose. But with God, I'll always win. So how do we do that in our life? And the defining factor you're going to see is prayer, really one kind of prayer, Mostly, it's intercessory prayer. We'll get to that as we move on in our teaching. Now, a number of times after I'd been to India, I came across a realization that made me understand this. In India, prayer is a major force in the Christian church and in the individual's lives. One of the reasons it's a major force is that every single day in India, no matter where you're at as a Christian, it could be your last day on earth. Because you always 
face death. There isn't one of us here, unless you've been in the foreign field and lived there, that understands what I even just said to you. Not one of us. Not one person in this room. So, after those trips over there, I was very aware of spiritual warfare, and I always wondered why prayer was such a huge part of their church and a huge part of their daily life. I discovered it after being over there, and of course being in places where I was told you can't walk here and don't let them know you're a Christian and you can't stay in this hotel and you got to do this. You know, when you go there, it is a fairly safe area for Christians from outside the country, yet in large it still is somewhat dangerous compared to going anyplace else. You remember the last time I was with my wife in India, the Sunday that I was teaching right outside, six guys almost got beat to death right from the church. So that is a reminder of all of us. Now, but it's not just in India. Here's the thing I want to remind you again. The spiritual battle is personal. It's not just in India. It's not about this church. It's about you. And it's about me. Let's look at these verses again. And if you want, if you mark in your Bible, you can do it. I want you to, as you go through verses 3 through 4, circle we. Because that's you. Understand what it says. For though Mark lives in the world, Mark does not wage war as the world does. The weapon Mark fights with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Mark demolishes arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And Mark takes captive every thought to make it obedient Christ. You see, Satan isn't attacking this kind of general thing. He's out to destroy individual Christians. More than that, he's out to destroy you. So, If certainly as a Christian, I mean, really I'm secure in Christ as long as I abide in him. So what he wants to do as a Christian, really, his second best is to make me very ineffective. And if he keeps me from prayer, he does exactly that. I never reach the potential that I should reach if prayer is not one of those stakes. If it's not a primary stake of those seven More, but those seven specifically we talked about. If it's not a primary stake, then I have a difficult area. Now, bottom line, what is the battle of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan? What is the battle about? It's not about marriage. It's not about drugs. It's not about alcohol. It's not about anger. What is the bottom line? Here it is. It's over the souls of men and women. Nothing else. That's it. That's the bottom line. Where people will spend eternity. So now you know, we're reminded, why is Satan always against us as we pray? For that very fact. Because there's nothing more important than people. And people are the things that Satan's at. So, I have to remind myself, and we do it in staff quite often, and you need to do it in your own life. All the different things that happen in our lives... All the different areas. We have to be careful we don't get sidetracked on gray areas. Quite often I get emails from people or whatever, and they have this agenda, and they want to do this, and they want to do this, and these and these things, and that's fine. And sometimes they'll argue about a little point. Well, what should I do with this Sabbath year? What should I do with this year? Not just the Sabbath, just a million things. And they're gray areas. Guys, the Bible tells us that we see through a glance darkly. We're not going to really know, really, till we get to heaven, everything really clear. But the things in the Bible... That I need to know, 
Very easy to know what they are. They're black and white. They're right in front of us. It's not difficult. So don't get yourself sidetracked with all. And, and the church is good at this. And we saw that today in one of our videos. What was from the pastor's conference. And I was reminded of it. How careful we must be. We have so many books that come out. And again, I'm not against books. But pastors quite often are looking for something to teach. So they read this book. We were reminded of it in our pastor's meeting. They read this book and the church studies this for six months. And they read this book and then they go in this direction for six months. And they read this book and then they go back over in this direction for six months. And pretty soon the people are going like, does anybody know where we're going here? And no, they don't. Why? Well, because this is the book that we study. And see, as we stay in this, just keeps us on the thing. Nothing wrong with books. It's good to be books. But we have to be very careful that we don't get sidetracked in gray areas and worry about this and worry about that. And all the time, people are plumbing into hell, but we're trying to figure out exactly, should I do this or that or the other? It's crazy. So Satan can get us sidetracked. And one of the areas he gets us sidetracked in big time is prayer. So I'm going to try to simplify prayer for you. And I'm going to give you 172 key points. Something wrong? Yeah, something's wrong. So I'm not. What I want you to think about, I'll come back to it later in the teaching. Here's what I want you to think about. It's not quite this simple, but it's close. When Adam and Eve were communing with God in the garden, how difficult was it? When you get your prayer thing so complicated, go back and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. That's when man communed beautifully with God. By the way, that's all prayer is, communing with God. There was no prayer books. There were no books. It was just God and man. And that's where it all started. So I'll remind you a couple times of that. Go back to that simplicity. That's what God wants. So let's not complicate it as we move through. Now, all we need to know to live the Christian life is clearly presented in God's Word. There's lots of gray areas. Romans 14, 13, talk about that. We can disagree about all I don't care about those things. As you get older, you realize what really matters in life. And you clarify those things. The rest doesn't matter. So keep on focus. Now, Ephesians 6, and you don't need to turn there. I'm going to have it for you. Talks a lot about living in victory and how to constantly defeat Satan. And in verses 13 through 17, we're not going to go through this because it's not a thing on spiritual warfare, but we have the pieces of the armor that we're to put on to fight Satan. Truth and righteousness and faith and the gospel and salvation and God's word. Now, they're not mysterious. They're not weird things. They're just common, everyday, simple assets that we have as a believer. But lastly, in that passage, let's take a look at it. We have two things that are of primary importance. All the battle, faith and righteousness and helmet of salvation, all those things are very important. Take a look at this. Ephesians 6, 17, 18. Take the helmet of salvation. And by the way, you're going to see, and I'll mention it to you now and I'll mention it to you again. Take the helmet of salvation. If you're not a Christian, there's only one prayer that God recognizes from you. God, forgive me of my sins. I'd like to be a Christian. Because prayer is out of a relationship with God. Sin destroyed that. I'm reminding you early, because notice, take the helmet of salvation. Salvation has to come first. We'll come back to it again. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
I arm myself. This is my offensive sword. What is the energy that keeps me fighting in the battle? What is the energy I need? It's prayer. So, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. So we'll introduce to you the main three types of prayer. And then we'll talk about what it means to pray in the Spirit and go through all of those areas. With all kinds of prayer and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. These are the three major weapons after we put on the armor. There are three things. The Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and number three, prayer. That's the spiritual energy. That's what makes this happen. So, if I'm praying prayers that are not scriptural, obviously not much is going to happen at all. And if I don't have the power of the Spirit, and I'm not praying in connection with the Spirit, but just kind of off doing my thing, then I'm not going to get anything really answered because my prayers won't be in the will of God. Number three, I can be praying Godly prayers, be filled with the Spirit, but just have no energy to pray. I'm not even praying. I'm just kind of go out and just assuming that's going to happen in the warfare. It won't work. There has to be that energy. That's a deciding factor. Now, many Christians don't see this. They don't know this. I was doing a study, and I came across this, and I thought it was interesting. A group that gathered together, kind of like us, and if we'd had time, I'd have done it, but we don't. The the instructor put out this little sentence, and he said, when it comes to prayer, I, and he had the people fill in the bank. Without reading below what that is, what would you put? When it comes to prayer, I, I'm confused, I'm excited, I don't pray enough, I don't know what you put. The top three answers from Christians in this study group were these. You don't need to write them down, just think about them. Number one answer was, I don't pray enough. Anybody here kind of want to go like, okay, that's probably not too bad, different from me, okay? Number two, I don't know what to pray. Now, that sounds strange, but we're going to learn how to do that very simply. Because sometimes we get in a rut, and we just go through that, and over and over and over again we go through it. And number three, I don't know, this is an interesting one, if prayer does any good. Now, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian a while, you don't have trouble with that one. You know prayer does good. But many people don't know because they say, well, I prayed this for years and years and years and God doesn't answer. And we're going to talk about how God answers every single prayer. And we'll show you how he does. And then we're going to go through great prayers of the Bible. And, of course, through this, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer, too, which you're going to learn. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's our prayer. Jesus taught us how to do it. So, number one, why pray. And I'm going to give you just simple things, just to remind you, good reminders for all of us. Number one, prayer is commanded in the Bible. That's why I pray. Matthew 21, 13. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. It is written, my house shall become a house of prayer. So as you hear, it's a wonderful thing. Colossians 4, 2. Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Jeremiah 33.3 Call to me. Call out to me. Pray to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 
Pray continually. What does it mean to pray continually? Do you want to be driving behind a person who is praying continually in the car in front of you? If they don't understand it, I don't want to be on the road while they're on the road. So we'll talk about all those issues. Talking on the cell phone is one thing, but praying could be something totally else. Number two, prayer allows man to know God. You see, God wants to have an intimate relationship with each of us. I was thinking, we talked about an awesome God. It doesn't even make sense, does it, that the creator of the universe wants to talk to me. It doesn't make sense. Me. One of six and a third billion people on the earth right now. But he wants to communicate with me. That's what it means. And the more I communicate with him, the more I know him. Many of you remember that when you were dating. And as you were dating your spouse, who you've now married, you wanted to get on the phone. You wanted to be with them. You rushed over to get them. Some of you dated long distance. Any of you date long distance? Did you have phone bills that were long distance? Do you remember them? Oh, I spent $35 last week just talking to my girlfriend. What? Then you get married. What's this $1.20 phone call here long distance? (laughs) It's a whole different thing, isn't it? And so... Again, we have to be careful as we do that because the more we stop communication after we're married, we don't really know the individual. The more we communicate with God, the more we know Him. So you can't really know someone. You have to communicate with Him. And prayer is simply that communication. Number three, prayer helps us, and I know this isn't for anybody tonight, but not to worry. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I spent many, many years in the medical field, so I can't get that out of me. So quite often when I see a scripture, I have to put a medical deal to it. So here's the medical deal for this verse. Prayer helps us not to worry. What does that mean? Worry is the disease. You have a disease. What's the cure? Prayer. So, understand that. Does anybody here ever have the disease of worry? Okay. If you had talked about what you're worried about, I'm not worried that the lights are going to go out. We've preached before with no lights in this place. You say, man, if the lights go out there, what would you do? Oh, we just get this bullhorn down here, and man, I go for it. So, relax. We're going to be all right. When the air goes, you're still all right. We've done that too. So we've kind of done pretty much everything. Just relax. It's going to be all right. The disease is worry. The cure, it's prayer. Now, why is that the cure? Because as a Christian, we taught a message on this a long time ago. Everything is going to turn out. Good job. Good memory. Is it? Yes. The way I wanted it? No. Quite often not. But the way God was, yes. And he'll just work it out. It'll work out. So prayer is huge in that area. Uh, do I need to pray for people when they're worried? Sure. Do I want people to pray for me when I'm worried? Absolutely. 
In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about how many Christ followers in America aren't even aware that there is a spiritual war between God and Satan. And because they don't know that they're already in a fight with the forces of darkness, they aren't effective for God. You learn that the primary fighting weapon you have against Satan is prayer. It's what gives you the strength to fight. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Real Conversations with God, The Basics. You'll learn more of the why of prayer, why pray at all, for instance. Pastor Mark will let you know what the Bible says not only about prayer, but why it matters so much. You'll find out that it's an important part of your spiritual arsenal, along with the Bible and the Holy Spirit. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting